Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Alright, it is another Friday extra. Come get some edition on Scientology. Uh, today I have cameraman, freelance cameraman Bert Leahy, but before we talk to Bert, I have a few things I want to address that I've been talking about on social media, and I'm sure you guys are going to expect me to speak on these things, uh, so I will. Uh, what I have first is, you remember Tony Ortega received that like two-hour-and-change audio clip from the Urang Gala of Scientology, and it was a very interesting listen. Um, what I want to say is I've received also an audio clip that I'm sure Tony Ortega does not have in his possession, but I want to caution this does seem like a bogus audio. I really don't think it's real, and I'm telling you up front, it's probably not real, but it really sounds like it could be, and I'll let you guys be the judge. I'm going to play it for you anyway and just see what you guys think. Uh, I think it's got potential to be the real audio, and, and you know I just don't think it is. Uh, you guys let me know. I'll play it for you right now. My four-minute clip, just a brief clip, uh, allegedly from the Scientology Year End Gala. Here it is. Lots of loud screaming, huge explosions, overflowing volcanoes, huge astronomical statistics and images flying across the screen faster than you can see them. And now I'll stop screaming so you can hear from the SOB himself, David. Let's go, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking back at 2016, I bet you might have thought there were some tough times. Sure, we took three steps back, but then we took four steps forward. We took 16 steps back. But how do we, in Scientology, handle being behind by 16 whole steps? That's right. You got it. Over there. We take 2,000 million, gajillion, zillion, 500 million, and 23.5 steps forward. That's real dedication. Looking ahead in 2017, it's important to keep in mind that we have opened so many locations across the globe, we have run out of actual viable real estate to the point that we are already working on plans to line the entire ocean floor of the Pacific Ocean, giving Sea Org a whole new meaning. 
given that that will soon also run out. We feel it's time to take Scientology into the stratosphere. That's right. We have put together plans to populate the planet of Mars by the end of 2018. We're going to do it. With LRH technology that has never been seen on this planet before. Of the 6 million Sea Org members totally in existence today, all 15 billion have already bravely volunteered to take the trip into outer space. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Least not forget, wobbly wibbly wibbly woo, bunch of nonsense that makes no sense because you clearly stopped listening 45 whole minutes ago. Whoop wah bam 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 boom tooty fruity. Coke is it because, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Because we're not in this to save the planet. We're in this together to save the world. Don't just take my word for it. Turn your attention to the big screen for two hours of real testimonials. Okay, so so I don't know if that's real or not. It sounds pretty real to me, guys, but I think it's fake. Uh, it was a little bit fun uh, to listen to, though, I thought. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get serious here because I said last week I wanted to cover uh, the terminology used in Scientology of enemy. And um, be- before I get into that, I just want to say, uh, Aaron Levin Smith, if you're listening, man, I knew your story was going to be deep, and I knew it was going to be emotional and layer remedy, uh, Scientology aftermath. I just didn't know it was going to be deep and emotional. Hey, you know, you know what I mean. So my heart, uh, my heart goes out to you and your family and uh, anyone else in your same situation. Obviously, that's why I why I do this show on Fridays now. For however long I'll be doing it, I'll be doing it for a while. I want you all to stay with me after the Burt Leahy conversation. This is part one. There's a part two next week, uh, but I want to go ahead after the show is over today. Uh, at the end, I'm going to tell you about what to expect next week. And in a future episode, and I think you're going to want to hear this, so please stay with me after the conversation. Uh, but right now, as I said earlier in the week, I want to discuss the terminology of you are my enemy and how I always hear this other terminology that goes with it, but it's the complete opposite. It's only a Scientologist can help. If you hear that everywhere, you remember the, the old leaked uh, Tom Cruise video in the turtleneck where he's going. I know if I see someone broken down the side of the road, I have to help because you know only a Scientologist can help. And I hear that with everything, right? Only a Scientologist can cure your drug addiction. Only a Scientologist can do this, do that, take you to the bridge to enlightenment. Only a Scientologist knows the answers. Uh, You even hear Lair Remini say it in a clip she plays. Of her old self, she really believes what she's saying, and she says with authority at the beginning of her show, 
without Scientology on this planet, we're not going to get very far or something to that effect. That's paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact line, but you get what I'm saying. And and this is I, – I don't know which one you guys want to take, but you guys got to take an identity and a video in Scientology. Um, so, so you hear this terminology on the show. You hear it from Tom uh, DeVott. Uh, you are my enemy. I think it's pounded in the face. Um, Mike Rinder is told, you are my enemy. Uh, all these people being told, you are my enemy. The blowout drill, because once you leave the Sea Org, you become the enemy because you broke your contract and you get disconnected and then you're subject to fair game. You are the enemy all of a sudden. And you can hear this so many times. You can hear about people getting beat up and punched and, and, and abused in the higher rankings, and you can go, well, you know, maybe this is a put on. These are all trying to get money. Maybe Scientology's little gimmick they keep putting out there. Everybody's trying to make a buck off of Scientology. Maybe it's true, and, and, and maybe – I don't know how many of these people are, are, are actors and just trying to get a buck. It's the same people a lot of times, but, I keep, but, but this show – Scientology aftermath, you're hearing from a hell of a lot more people. But you don't know for sure. It's like the UFO phenomenon, and I'll talk about this more with Bert in part two. But it's not difficult to connect the dots. I go, you know, Kirstie Alley, another one of these celebrities with her head in the sand because she's enjoying her country club lifestyle in Scientology too much to realize or care what's happening on the lower levels, what's happening beneath where she stands. It doesn't matter. Because she's living that country club life and uh, that secluded celebrity bubble there. And she's on Howard Stern a few years ago trashing Leia Remini, and I thought, let me go listen to this again and see how Kirstie Alley sounded when she said it. Because I seem to remember it was a little bit weird. And she says to Howard Stern, and I quote, when you make a blanket statement like Scientology is evil, you are my enemy. And it was very strict. It was very blunt, and it was over. And it matches everything you've been hearing in the last few weeks from Lair Remedy, the aftermath, on uh, Scientology, the aftermath, from Lair Remedy, on A&E, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. You guys should check it out. I'm not getting paid to say that or anything. I just urge you guys to watch. Anyway, it makes me think about when I was younger. Um because I said last week, I said there's a statement. I've never said the term or used the term "you are my enemy" in my adult life. That's true because I don't think real people, not in the movies, say something like that. You might have enemies, but you know, "you are my enemy." Is it just doesn't happen in in most people's lives? Uh, but when I was a kid, I did have an enemy. I had a uh, I had a arch nemesis. He was just a real thorn aside, a real pain in the ass. This kid. And uh, I would call him my enemy, and I was serious, and he would call me his enemy, and he was serious. But then one day in ninth grade, I missed the bus on a very, very cold morning in Baltimore, Maryland, and I had to walk four miles to school. So as I embarked on this walk, a car pulls up, and it's my enemy, and he's with his dad. He nudged his dad and said, "Give me, pull over and give him a ride, and he gave me a ride to school. And looking back, I know he wasn't a Scientologist because I know being the enemy in this instance, only a Scientologist could not have helped. Let that sink in. You know, uh, besides what group of people claiming to be on the path to enlightenment, trying to save the planet, labels names and attacks their enemies? 
that's not like the Westboro Baptist Church or a terrorist organization. That's right. I don't know. I, I just compared Scientology to a terrorist organization. But uh, it's a little radical, right? Maybe a little harsh. It's not like Scientology uh, abuses their top or oh. But, but I mean, come on. I mean, it's not like Scientology um, you know, holds people against their will at like concentration. <sighs> well, they don't well, they, they do. There's it's on record. Um well it's not I mean, they're not a terrorist. It's not like they kill people. Uh right, you know what? I am perfectly satisfied with the comparison to Scientology is a terrorist hate group. And I'll tell you why. Because you need to make up who you are. You need to decide who you are. You can't be this nourishing, taking the world on your shoulders, can solve every problem identity, and at the same time be this destructive force that does nothing but make enemies. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. So anyway, with that in mind, again, remember, keep Keep uh, listening after the interview. I'll talk about next week's conversation, part two with Bert Leahy, and I'll talk about what's coming up after that. Again, you're not going to want to miss it. Here's Bert Leahy. All right, today on the show, on this extra edition um, of Come Get Some, I have somebody who was Squirrel Buster. I call him Squirrel Buster for a day. He did, I think, about two and a half days and quit. If I'm not mistaken, he'll clarify that for us. Uh, he's a freelance uh, videographer, or at least he was at the time, or cameraman, and he was hired under false pretenses to do a documentary, which turned out to be basically a stalking harassment mission against the Rathbuns. So uh, without further ado, uh, welcome to the show. Um, let's see if I'm saying this right. Bert Leahy? Yes, sir. All right. Leahy, yes, sir. Leahy, Leahy. Thank you for coming on the show, Bert. Um Wow, <laughs> I just learned about you uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, but you've been around for a little bit on this. Yeah, it's, uh, it was just truly, truly bizarre, and that's why uh, Leah Remney's thing on A&E is just really so incredible, because, you know, for years, well, not years, probably like four or five years now, me and my friends have been, you know, speaking out against it, and all of our friends, family, well, not family, because they know think you're crazy it's like why are you going after a church you know that yeah that's bad and then the um whole narconon thing but yeah it was uh pretty bizarre yeah i will say this uh just just the the piggyback on what you're saying there and i said this before was you know i first learned about scientology through the john sweeney um documentary from the uk in in the early 2000 uh like 2005 2007 area and uh, it was shocking, but again, you know, it's a documentary, so maybe this was all done in a put-on for a show, right? You, you don't know how real it is. Right, right. And, and then I did some research like any good person should do to find out what they're really dealing with, and I found out that 2020 article on Lisa McPherson, which was, was devastating to see. And I would sit here, I just started podcasting roughly a year ago, and I see things happen over the years, but... I didn't really realize the going clear came out that right. Lisa McPherson, although people like Tony Ortega and Mike Rinder and, and others have been trying to fight that battle and keep people remembering that and things like Paula, Paulette Cooper and, and all the other people who've been through this, uh, it really gets forgotten and lost in the shuffle and people just sort of put it in the back burner and go, well, that's this crazy Scientology stuff. And, and the words just go in one ear and out the other for most people. But right. but but really, Lyra Remini starting her show 
attention's coming out, and people are listening now. And that's why I said myself, I said, it's time to jump on this. And that's why finally you are being heard, because like I said, I've been interested and, and fascinated with what's happening with Scientology, but I just found out about you. Well, yeah, because uh, there for a while, I mean, you can imagine, like, what Leah Remney's, you know, what you can see the expression on her faces, or some of these stories. And yeah. Um, obviously, she was a Scientologist, but just imagine, I'll, I'll kind of set the scenario for me for how I got involved or whatever. Yes. Um, I lived in uh, Dallas most of my life, and then we moved to Corpus to live by the ocean, the American dream, and it really didn't work out. We really had some really bad, our daughters didn't like it, so my daughters, I've been married 30 years, and i got three daughters. So we moved to Corpus, and it didn't work out, so my daughters all moved back, and my wife and me were still in Corpus because she's a teacher. She had to finish her contract, so, you know, it went as bad as possibly it could go, and I had a... Two failed back surgeries at that point, so I was on pain meds for 15 years. So I think you know where this is going. I had got addicted to the prescription pills, so I'm in Corpus. Everything is going bad, and luckily, I got into a rehab, a wonderful rehab in Corpus, uh, Padre Behavioral Hospital, and it was it saved my life. It was just totally incredible. So I was there outpatient for like three months. So I'm ready to get out of the, the rehab, my wife's ready, we're ready to go back to Dallas, and the uh, doctors and nurses, you know, shaking your hand, congratulating you, they're saying, now, Bert, you got to have a plan when you go back home. You can't have any stress, you can't, you know what I'm saying, you need to have a plan, you need to right. get back to Dallas, you know, get a program, and, you know, get back on track, and don't get involved in anything that, you know, can stress you out. So, we moved back to Dallas. And I still have my furniture in Corpus there. And then I get a phone call. And it was from David Stotter. It was actually Dave LeBeau. Nice. Um, he was a, a, if you, the second episode where Rinder was talking to that guy in front of his house. He says, I'm Dave LeBeau. That's the guy I'm talking about. He's basically a PI. Right. So I don't know how they got my number. Let's just say this, that Scientology has access to some of the world's best talent for what they do. I mean, they have gold base. They've got unlimited amounts of videographers. Why they picked me, I, I just don't know. So anyway, so Dave, uh, his, his name was Stoddard, Stoddard at that time. It wasn't Dave LeBeau because he knew I could research it and find out who he was. So right. He said, hey, he said, hey, Bert, we're doing a uh, reality TV show in Corpus. It's called uh, uh, Squirrel Busters, but it's like Mythbusters where there's going to be, like, weekly episodes and stuff like that. So I'm like, wow, that's, that's really cool, you know? And then, um, you know, $900 a week. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Chris, I'm thinking, oh, my God, my, my prayers have been answered. I mean, I hadn't held the camera for two years. Yeah. Been in rehab. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's all coming true. $900 a week. And he says, yeah, this is long-term work. You know, we can hook you up. So I'm like... I was just, I was so happy. I mean, it was like, anyway, so I told my wife, and I was like, hey, I got a job to shoot reality TV. She's like, where? And I'm like, Corpus. She's like, Corpus? What do you mean? We're not going back to Corpus. And I'm like, well, we got to get our furniture. She's like, okay, well, we'll go get the furniture, and we'll take a U-Haul back. So we all went down there, me, my wife, and my daughter, and we met the whole production group, uh, crew. Um, that would be Dave LeBeau, 
uh, uh, what's uh, Joanne Wheaton, Richard Hurst. The, the, the kind of, I sent you some pictures of, of, of the people that I was with. So we're all at uh, Pier 99. That's a restaurant in Corpus. And I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? What what, what are we doing? And he's like, well, like I said, it's, it's reality TV. And I'm like, cool. So we're sitting down to eat. And he says, he gets off his phone. He actually had two phones. He's like, Marty's at the, uh, Marty's at the aquarium. And I'm like, Okay, and he looks at the other guys, and he says, Bert, do you have your gear? My camera stuff. And I'm like, yes, sir, I do. So he says, let's go. So I'm literally running down the sidewalk with shrimp in my mouth, going to my truck to get my camera. And my wife is, I'm like, here, go with Dave. So my wife and daughter are riding with Dave LeBeau in my vehicle while I'm in the Squirrel Buster van. Wow. So we're chasing Marty. Yeah, so we're chasing Marty in the aquarium. So I knew the territory there because I lived there for like two years and Marty had got out through a, a second exit. So I was like, okay, guys, well, he, well, he got away. And he's like, okay. And then Dave LeFo was like, okay, well, the next um, thing we're going to do is go to the hotel and then we're just going to have a production meeting and then we'll have something in the morning. So we got to the hotel and then I went up to his room and went in his hotel room. And on the, the bed, he had, like, Google Maps and flats, you know, like land flats of, you know, property lines and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, here's our next target for tomorrow. Marty, um, I guess at that time, was an independent Scientologist, and he was auditing people. So there were people who would come from all over the world, I guess, to get auditing from Marty. And that's what they wanted to disrupt was Marty's auditing. You know what I'm saying? That's what they had the problem with. You know what I'm saying? He's undercutting so, them. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand it a little bit, but anyway. So the next day, there was a couple in from, I think they're from Texas, and um, they were fishing. And and so, no, actually, that was, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was uh, that morning they were fishing. So we all pulled up and we kind of hid in the squirrel buster van, kind of in, I guess, in the, in the back weeds or whatever. And then when they were done fishing, they come over the property line to a, you know, part where um, the, the people can walk, public property. And then we just swarmed them. I mean, it reminded me of like, you know, like cops or cheaters. Right. You know, that TV show Cheaters yeah. where, where they're just going and, and I'm just kind of looking around and I'm thinking, wow, this is really crazy and you know Marty would get in people's faces and it push in and stuff like that and they were telling me he's like let Marty push you and I'm like what do you mean let Marty push me it's like that's what we want I'm like oh well okay but I'm I'm thinking of nine you know nine hundred dollars a week getting my life back on track I'm like okay so then they went away and then the next thing we did was um, uh, in the afternoon we went to Marty's cul-de-sac, where he lived in, in Corpus on Ingleside on the bay. So we're in front of Marty's house, and we got, you know, they got, like, little storyboards that they read scripts off of and, and, and stuff like that, just get in front of Marty's property and just say, Marty is, you know, he's using the wrong tech. He's giving Scientology a bad name. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I mean, this is what's funny. I knew nothing about Scientology. I just knew Tom Cruise was in it, and I was some new hip 
religion or something like that. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. giving them the uh, benefit of a doubt. So, in the cul-de-sac, they also said, well, Bert, Marty will come out and kind of record you and, and really basically all of us. You know what I'm saying? Come out and record you, put a camera in your face. So, you know, don't, don't, don't freak out. So I'm like, okay. So then, Marty called the police. Well, the next thing you know, there's like eight squad cars out there, the sheriff and everything. Then the sheriff wants all of our, you know, IDs and licenses and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's when, you know, I started thinking there's something weird because I've been shooting video almost 20-something years, and I've never had anyone get my ID. So I'm like, okay. So I give them the ID, and everything checks out, and they're like, well, this is public property, Marty. They can pretty much do what they want. So, you know, then I was like, wow, this is weird. So then I got home that night, and I was talking to my wife because my wife would stay at the hotel um, swimming and uh, stuff like that. So, um and I was talking to her. So I was talking to her, and I'm like, "Man, this is really, really crazy." And and she thought it was uh, pretty uh, crazy too. So um, I was just like, you know, I'll, I'll just give it one more day and see what goes on. So the next day, we went. Um, uh, it was back to the cul-de-sac where Marty's house was. It, it, his little uh, property faced out towards the. Uh, the uh, bay side so we're back there again and at this point i mean i'm thinking reality tv so i'm really thinking at any point a van is going to pull up and someone's going to jump out and then it's going to be like oh marty you got us and they would all hug and and stuff like that because that's what i really thought it was you know i thought it was a joke and i expected a camera crew to come out at any time to play a joke on someone. Well, it never happened. I, I guess the joke was on me. So on the third day, I started asking questions. Like, you know, what's our overall goal here? All we've been doing is really chasing this Marty guy. And uh, Dave LeBeau is like, well, we're just, we want to make Marty's life a living hell. He was, he was joking when he said it, but he did say it. You know, it's kind of like a little smart ass. Right on his face, yeah, it's make Marty's life a living hell so he can't audit people and his neighbors will want him to move. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just started asking questions after questions. And then I was trying to get an iPad hooked up and Bart, Bart, uh, Bart Carr was the other main camera guy. And they would always take my footage at night. You know what I'm saying? And I, gosh, I wish I could have got some snuck some footage out, but at the time I wasn't thinking like that. Right. So Bart would always Bart would always take my footage and then um I try to hook up the iPad and then, you know, 'cause you gotta have a regular computer to get it hooked up from new and Bart's like, Well wait till tomorrow, wait till tomorrow. So I finally went down to the um um lobby area and got it almost hooked up with just enough like it to get on the internet and I started kinda Googling Marty and then, um, you know, it's just typical, you know, Marty's blog. I didn't really have a chance to get too in-depth. So on the fourth day, I was just like, um, well, guys, I think I'm going to go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I did leave. I mean, technically, I did leave on good terms with Dave. Dave's like, okay, Bert, well, and I was like, well, you know, if something else comes up, let me know. You know, I just didn't say, oh, my God, you guys are crazy. 
I'm leaving. You don't say it's like, well, I'm probably going to go now. And Dave's like, okay, well, we'll be in touch. So I was just like, wow, that's crazy. So Dave gave me um, a check from Falcon Industries. And this will come in real handy when you talk about the trial. So okay. we get back home. And like I said, I had just been in a rehab for five and a half, for three months. Then I get this job, and they said, don't get stressed out. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm getting stressed out. So I got back to Dallas, then I started recent, I went on Marty's blog, and there's one thing on there on Marty's that uh, Miss Tavage's International Contr- PR Control Team or something like that, and there's a free frame of me, yeah. of my face, smoking a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? See, that's where Marty was so smart. Right. He would, if Marty never would have showed that footage, I never would have been onto it because Marty did one video, the first and last Squirrelbuster shoot. Marty's like, if anyone can identify this guy, if anyone, then it's like, oh, is this a Texas boy here? And I'm like, so I was watching that video. I was like, oh my, uh oh. Then I'm like, my heart just dropped, you know, because it was like. Then I started to get into the all the stuff, and I realized what they were doing. So I got a hold of Marty uh, through his um, his blog. And I'm like, hey, Marty, I'm cameraman X. I would like to talk to you. And Marty's like, okay, um, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, I didn't go to school to learn how to stalk people. Right. He's like, okay. And he's like, well, dude, would you like to come, come forward and uh, tell your story? And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. So I went to um, Marty's house in Corpus. I went back. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the... Uh, Interviews I had I did with Marty, yeah, and it was just, and I, I guess I would kind of, you know, I kind of gave Marty a hard time later on because I I didn't really feel that he appreciated, but I went back and I watched those videos and when he says Bert, I want to thank you, he got choked up, you know, and I didn't notice at the time. So Marty's not a man of many words, you know what I'm saying? He <laughs> keep people at arm's length, you know what I'm saying? So that was very very. You really don't see things until later on when you analyze them. So we did all the interviews, and then it started to gain some um, footage. I mean, not footage, but uh, I guess momentum. And then uh, Tony Ortega got involved, and then it started taking off. And then this is a matter of like a week. And then, you know, there's media calling my daughters and calling um, all like my family members, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So then um, NBC, hold on, let me settle these dogs on here. It's okay. Hold on, hold on. Come on. Come on, guys. (laughs) So anyway, so then NBC wanted to do um, a story, and that was the um, Rock Center thing when Rock Center was... uh, still on the air, and it's the whole Katie Holmes thing. So I went on uh, NBC. Well, actually, before that, Dave LeBeau, there's a guy named John Allender that is actually actually the person that started Squirrel Busters way back when, probably like two or three years before that. His name was John Allender. Okay. So when John Allender found out that I was going to go to the media, he, he started to call me. And, and, and have an interest in come on. So, um, Allender called me 
and he left a message, and he's like, hey, Bert, um, I know you got involved in some pretty crazy things, but just give me a call back, and we can work something out. I've seen your work. He's trying to smooth me because he knows yeah. I'm going to the media. So I never returned his phone call because uh, Mark Collette of the Caller Times there in Corpus and then Marty was like, Bert, this is what they're going to do. And I knew, I knew at that I knew this was huge. You know what I'm saying? I said, this one day, this is going to be huge. I even joked with Marty. I was like, Marty, if this ever gets on HBO, you need to throw me a bone. But I never realized it would be to this extent. So I never took Allender's phone call. So then um, I went on NBC. And the only really stalking harassment I had is they had drive down the alley once or twice. And I had some garbage stolen once. That's really about the, 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 the as far as they went with me because they wouldn't stalk me like they would Marty because that is I'm just an average Joe. Right. I never had nothing to do with the church, so that would just be their pretty much doomsday. And it's like I say something like they said that my story is like a foot bullet. Well, I think Leah's is like an amputation. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like man, she's just taking out the legs. So anyway, so then, um, you know, a couple months went by, and then I was like, you know, I need, this is really stressing me out because I was getting into all the, everything about disconnection. And then one person contacted me that was an advocate, Colin Henderson, was an advocate at Narconon, where he was a patient at Narconon, and then he uh, no longer went there, and then he's speaking out against them because they used the whole text of, of uh, Hubbard for, you know, getting people off drugs, you know, like the a massive amounts of vitamins and they right. sweat and they take away your meds. So Colin is like, you've ever heard of Narconon? Uh, yeah. And I was like, no. And he's like, dude, there has been three families that have lost their children. And then that's what, yeah. see, I was in rehab. I know how vulnerable. It is the worst time in your entire life to be in a situation like that. And there's a guy that lives here in North Texas. I can't go into it because he settled his lawsuit, but he lost his daughter. I mean, to pay 30 grand to have your kid die at a Narconon? So then I was like, okay, I'm pissed now. Now you're messing with rehab people. You know what I'm saying? So then I was just just on this mission where I'm going to take Scientology down. And then uh, Mark Bunker was actually in um, Oklahoma for that protest, and it was, like, very hot that day. And Mark actually passed out. I mean, that's how hot it was. And then I went to the ranger station, and I'm like, hey, Mark, the first time I met him, here's my footage. And he's like, well, I'm going to pay you for it. So he gave me 300 I gave him 200 back, and I'm like, you know, use this for your documentary or whatever. So I only took 100 and he kind of used my footage. That's the first time I met Mark. And then Mark told me, and then also uh, Troy Christman told me, Bert, you can't hold on to that torch too long because you're going to get burned. And that's exactly what happened to me. I just, you know what I'm saying? I just I just had this tunnel vision. It's like, I'm going to take it down. And sadly, I disconnected from my family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just could add up the, the hours upon hours of editing that I have done. And me, Colin Henderson, and David Love went on a two-week road tour called Suppressa Palooza. We <laughs> drove over 3,000 miles. We went to New York, Chicago, St. Louis and visited all these people and did interviews. And then it's like, then your head's just spinning. And, yeah, it was uh, completely, completely 
bizarre. And like I said, I, I held the torch for too long, and I think I got burned. And then you just you you you're telling all these people, and nothing's really because ha- I mean, there's been times when, like, I thought the Rock Center story was going to bring them down. I thought you know going clear was going to bring them down. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'll be darned. They just fighting and fighting, but it's all about the tax exemption. About that's the only reason that they stay. But um, so basically, with the Squirrel Busters, and then Monique Rathburn's attorney, Ray Jeffries, called me, and he's like, "Bert, would you want to be a witness in Monique's lawsuit?" And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. So I did a declaration. I think I sent you the declaration. It basically just said that I was a freelance videographer. And what's so, what was so important about my story is in front of a jury is I'm the average Joe. I'm not on Marty's side. I'm not on Scientology's side. Right. I'm just this average Joe videographer because the problem that they had is they had to link Dave LeBeau directly to Squawbusters. And with all these little different companies, you know, they knew it, but they had to have proof. So on my 1099, that the check that Dave gave me when he sent me a 1099 at the end of the year, it said Falcon Industries. So then they kind of backtracked, and you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, here we go. Dave LeBeau, Falcon Industries, and they track it down to California. Then they kind of track it down to Scientology stuff. So they had um, uh, Scientology against the wall. They actually lost two appeals, and uh, and it was like going pretty strong. But I, I think Monique just ended it because she said she accomplished what she wanted to accomplish to stop them from harassing her. So, I mean, I wish I it would have went further, but that's, that's not my business. You know, sometimes I get all wrapped up and be like, you know, it's her lawsuit, not mine. So, right. you know, I hope she, I hope that she, you know, gets some peace with uh, her and her uh, husband and her uh, and her baby. But um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I, don't, I probably rambled there for a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, oh, let me ask you: uh, when you were following so for three days, you weren't even sure why you were following and harassing this guy. Yeah, it was, um, they told me it was reality TV and that Marty was going to be a, a person in the episode, like Mythbusters, you know what I'm saying? And I guess it was going to be on the internet where they're going to have little weekly stories. And then um, then after a while, like I said, when I started asking questions, um, it, nothing really added up because it was just vindictive, the way that they would just go, I mean, I mean Let's just say Marty handled himself well. I mean, Marty didn't take anything. Marty let those guys knew, well, what, you know, what's happening, spraying them in the face with the hoses. I mean, that kind of that was just hilarious. <laughs> Marty knew what he was um, doing. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the car wash. But yeah, but they, um, they were very, very. I mean, I just couldn't figure out why they hated Marty so much. And you know, I guess it all comes down to that he was. Um, he was probably the first really, really high-ranking member that, I don't know, he, he came out before Rinder, didn't he? I'm not exactly sure, but I think he did. I, I don't want to misspeak yeah. on that. It's, it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. But but, but I know I, I, I know it was, was kind of close. But, yeah, he was the big, the big fish at the time. So they put a lot of assets on him. And it just, I mean, you would look on the Internet 
And they just made the story get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because it was just so utterly ridiculous. It's not even believable that they would think of a campaign like that was going to make them look better in the long run. I don't know. Oh, it's a lo- it's the beginning of a long pattern of really bad moves for the for the organization. Uh really to be honest. And when you did this though, were there other people who were um hired the way you were that didn't know what they were doing but just went with it or was you pretty much were you pretty much the only one that was kind of an outsider on this deal? Yeah, that's you know, I, I, I talked to one guy that, that I know, he's a Texas guy, we call him um warrior, Mark Plummer, and uh, he was a Scientologist for a long time, and, you know, he reached out to me in the early, early time, and we talked for a while, and he said, Bert, the day they hired you, they knew everything about you. Don't think for a second that this was just, they looked in the ads and found someone, because why would they let someone in that inner circle? He's like, they knew, they wanted something from you. The only thing that I could think is Maybe they found out that I had a back problem and previous drug addiction. Maybe they can say, let's make an, a success story of this guy. Because, you know, they always find out he always has an angle where they're going to come out on top. They just don't do anything for free. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, then some people say, Bert, it was just dumb luck. Or some people said, no, it was planned. I mean, something, it, it, it's just really odd, though, that they would just call me out of the blue like that and then... I didn't sign any documents, you know, no disclosures or anything. That's why most people are shocked. They'd be like, what is wrong with them? Why would they just put someone like me in the middle of all that? And, and just like me, I mean, like I said, the poor, poor me, I just got out of rehab, and next thing you know, I'm dealing with, with uh, the, the, the squirrel busters. And, and that's another thing that, that really, really kind of devastated me, you know, to find out at the end that, this was all just some big joke, and you know that dream job wasn't there and stuff like that. And it was, it, it was hard to handle at first. But um, there's a Facebook group called um, SPRS. Uh, <laughs> Pete Griffiths runs it, and uh, I tell you what, those people there—they, you know, a lot of them are ex and they're from across the pond there, and they're just yeah. incredible. I like Pete. People and stuff like that, and, and I think that's where I got the majority of my support was through them. Wow, I mean, uh, when you are, are sitting there, I mean, you said it was crazy. You're seeing these guys; these guys look like they were getting off on it, you know, um, going after him. But when you reached out and sat down with Marty, was that an awkward situation for you? Did you feel uncomfortable? Because I'm gonna be honest, and, and maybe it's just uh, my—I mean, I don't—I'm not judging it properly. You looked really uncomfortable <laughs> in that YouTube video. Did you notice that too? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was like—it was like I was talking through my teeth. It was like you know, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, I was—I mean, first of all, I didn't know who Marty was. I just thought he was this little church, little thing, you know, like little small church thing. I mean, I had no idea that, you know, I would be in the middle of a battle between Marty and and the church, because, like, when I left, I had, like, four days to make a decision of, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to go go to the media? Because, you know, John Allender was offering me a settlement. That's exactly what he was offering. He wanted to get in touch with me. Shut you up. Say, hey, Bert, 
Oh, absolutely, because he knew I was going to NBC Rock Center, and then they realized whatever plan they had was about to fall, and then they're like, you know, that's why Allender wanted to talk to me, but I knew, I knew from that day that I left, that one day this is going to be a huge, huge story. And I knew that from the beginning, just the way they just acted and, and, and stuff like that. But anyways, with... Uh, with uh, Marty, yeah, it was very, very bizarre. I mean, Marty, he, I mean, if you look at the interviews, I mean, you know, you know, at, at times I, I you know, I, I think to myself, you know, Marty should have prepared me better and kind of held my hand a little bit longer, you know, throughout the years. But, you know, Marty, I could have been a spy. You know what I'm saying? Right, he let you so, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Marty, I mean, I understand now. I mean, I, I have to apologize to Marty. I had said some bad things about him when I started to get really scared and stressed out, but I understand now why he has to keep some people at arm's length. Because I could have been a spy the whole time. Think about it. That would be the perfect scenario. Video guy comes forward, blows the whistle, and here I'm not even a real videographer. I was just planted to get information on um, Marty, but you know, I, I'm at peace with it, and really with the last really two or, like last year and a half, I canceled my Twitter account. You know, I, I opened up a new YouTube channel and getting involved in the music industry here in Dallas and met some good, really good. crazy people. Yeah, because at one point, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been like this in a part of your life when, you know, when like a company has to retool and just come up with a new plan to start their business. I mean, I literally had to start from scratch. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? i got to stop this Scientology stuff. It, it's, I'm disconnecting from my family. And, you know, then, you know, I got into the music industry. I, I play the drums and making videos. Then I'm doing really, really good. And then I wasn't even going to watch Leah's thing, just for the fact of I've interviewed a lot of people. I mean, I know the heartbreak. You know what I'm saying? I know I've been there, done it and stuff. And then one day it was the second episode, and I was like, I'm just going to let this go. And then they showed me it's a squirrel buster. Did you see that part where they talked about then there's guys with the cameras? Then yeah. They me, yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. It's never going to go away, Bert. It's never. <laughs> I know. It, 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 it's never going to go away. And, and, and I did contact someone that I can't say their name, and it'd be like, hey, I'm kind of, you know, they showed me as the, the squirrel buster. You know, I look like this evil person, and I know it's a little bit blurry. But I know it's me, and, and yeah. I don't think they're going to go into, into the Squirrel Busters because they haven't contacted me. But, and like I said, with editing, because I, I noticed it was the NBC footage that they used. So maybe they just had to use public domain footage, and the editors are just grabbing stuff. I doubt seriously that, that anyone would say, well, put Bert's in there, and then let's not talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Because they know I've, I've had issues with this. I have, you know, lashed out at people, and stuff like that, and really the person I'm mad now is mostly Scientology, but, um, but you know, after hearing all the stories and of the things, which I knew most of them, but when you see them in depth, you know, when, you know, Amy, Amy Scobie lost her mom, and just, yeah. just everything, and seeing Rinder crying, it was like, oh my God, I mean, I'm just on the couch crying myself, and you know, my wife doesn't want me to watch it at all because she knows how, how how intense I get and stuff like that. But, yeah, they're just really knocking it out of the park. And, well, I'll you know, tell you, kinds of, 
Bert, Bert uh, I've, if my coworker wasn't sitting right next to me last night, <laughs> I might have, uh, I might have lost it last night with, uh, I think it was Aaron Sturry. I think his name is Aaron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Whew. Okay. So, <laughs> you. Yeah. What's interesting is you bring this up, and uh, and it was one of my questions was going to be, and you just pretty much nailed it. Uh, a lot of people saw your account just pop up in the last couple weeks, again. And, and you're just all gung ho about it, and I'm sure some people are thinking like, "Oh, sure, now he's jumping in, and now he wants to get involved." The truth is, you have a real reason to care, and you have a real reason to be involved and speak out. Uh, you, this Narcanine thing is something that will really, really irk somebody in your position, and I totally understand that. So it's uh, it's good that you bring that up. Well, because the, the the guy here in North Texas, I mean, people can find out who the who the guy is in Texas, but I mean, I, he plays the drums, too, and, you know, I've spent several hours with him. And the guy lost his daughters, and a year later, he loses his wife, and he loses his dog. I mean, I mean I'm over there, you know, I mean, well, it, make one thing clear. I've signed up for the new doctor in Dallas. He's one of Dr. Hollander. He's one of the best doctors in the nation, and I'm doing excellent. I mean, I've never pain medicine. I'm just, I, I've, I've never said felt clearer or stronger in my entire life the last couple of years and I just want people to know that you know I'm really really strong and focused and like I said family family first but then you're up here you're strong then you go to your that you know your friend's house you lost his daughter you lost his wife you lost his dog then it, it's all starts the anger the vengeance and you yeah. know what I'm saying and, and then the anger and it just you know He's just saying that they killed my daughter. They killed my daughter. You know, grabbing my arms and and you know, looking me in the eye and and you know, then I mean, what do you do? He just you know, he blames himself. And you know, what's really sad though, when they were at the hospital in Dallas, someone in the hospital gave them a brochure for an Oh my what god! What does that tell you? Yes. What does that tell you? Oh man. The corruption is so deep. The, the money pushing is so deep. I know one person that's on probation. They even recommend Narconon programs to people that are on probation. The, the, yeah, it's, it's so deep that you can't even begin to well, imagine. The best, what it feels, they feel that they go for the weakness. Now, they knew that you were... Uh, they, they knew you had issues with drugs in the past, assumably, and uh, they hired you from the outside. I think probably we were probably hoping to keep a distance between you and them if there was ever a separation, and that failed. Um, right. right. So, so they they really prey on that weakness. But I, I'm just wondering, um, when you were watching the internet and you went to the blog and you saw your photo, if you never saw your photo come up on TV or the internet, would you have just sort of pretended it never happened and gone away or was the were you probably going to get sparked by the Narcanine thing well I think there you know at, at that point that was like 2011 you really didn't hear that many stories but then you would have heard about the Tomcat thing because NBC they didn't want to run it because they thought it was tabloid type news right. but you know, NBC, Rock Center was getting ready to be cancelled and then uh, then Katie Holmes split up with Tom so then they're like, okay, let's go for it. I'm just like, thank you, thank you, please, somebody, mainstream media, please pick up on this. And, um, yeah, and and then 
I mean, that's a good question, but I think eventually, when I would have seen more of the stuff on TV, I would have, you know, caught on and, and, and said something. And it's interesting you say that. There was a guy that shot TV for um, Entertainment Tonight, and they were shooting Marty, and the camera guy, different camera guy, came up to Marty and said, hey, Marty, I apologize. And I was like, why? Because, like, I'm the one you called Baby Huey at the airport. Because Marty, he'd tell you, hey, Baby Huey. I mean, he was like, he'd zoom in on your nose hairs. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, Marty, and they's like, I'm Baby Huey. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And then the other camera guy's like, because he was a PI. I mean, he was like me. You know, a PI, it's mostly PI airports. Follow him at the airport. Right. And so that guy kind of apologized to Marty uh, for doing that. So... You know, but like I said, I, I knew just with the way that when no crew, no camera crew ever came up and did the You've Got Punk thing, I knew it was going to be big. I mean, I knew it was going to be huge. I just felt it because no church puts that much money. I mean, we kind of added up the figures, and gosh, I mean, it, it, was, it had to be at least like $60,000 a month. I mean, we're talking oh. hotels, we're talking they would rent houses, we're talking crews, we're talking, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. what what church spends that much money? Yeah, it's not going on and tech, I, it's going on this. Yeah, and I don't think the average per, you know, parishioner with Scientology would even, you know, realize that, oh my gosh, I'm busting my butt all these years so they could hand, you know, you know have squirrel busters out there. I mean, but, you know, they don't ever really Google anything like that, so... Right, they don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, What's it like to walk into the courtroom and see, was it, like, 15 lawyers on the other side? Actually, I never actually was in the courtroom. My declaration was done via, you know, just a file document. I was going to go down when they had the uh, initial motion. I was going to go down to um, San Antonio, but the trial got, like, move, not not move, but it got, they got what they wanted to actually put a temporary restraining order on them. So I ever, never actually went in the courtroom. There's just a lot of back and forth. But yeah, the, uh, the um, I'm glad you mentioned that, kind of bring something up. But yeah, the, the 25 attorneys or 21 attorneys, but the um, uh, J- Ray Jeffries uh, attorney, Mark Wigand, um, you know, when I was a witness, he said, Bert, you need to realize something, that everything that you post on Facebook, everything, anything you post is put into your file. He says, I've actually seen your file. It's pretty thick. You know, so he says, be very, 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 very careful. And, and I do believe at that point that my phone had to be tapped. I mean, it had to be because my testimony was literally going to cost them millions and millions and millions of dollars because I was the missing connecting link. Right. And then I, like I said, I, I got all stressed out. And I, like I said, I did, you know, I just, I, I just, I turned out to be a bad witness because I just couldn't shut up. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll admit it now. I'm, I made a lot of mistakes. But come on, who prepares you for what I went through? The guy just got out of rehab. Then he gets a squirrel buster. Then he's in the middle of a million, million dollar lawsuit. I mean, what do you expect? You know what I'm saying? So, but so we can expect it. We can expect if you get any louder and, and, and go after them any harder, there will be a who is 
Bert Leahy video. And it'll be all about your past, all about your your. All right, so I had to cut off there. Um, part two is coming next week. We're going to talk more about this trial. We'll talk more about uh, Marty and, and some of his most recent moves, including his wife dropping the the lawsuit. And uh, you know, we speculate a little bit because that's all we have right now is speculation. Uh, we talk about squirrel groups, what we think of squirrel units, and what they're doing, and if it's accessible or not. Um, also. Uh, he's going to answer 10 questions, and I'm going to give my insane crazy – I discussed it with Bert – my insane crazy whacked-out theory on John Alex Wood on Twitter, and uh, it's crazy. It's probably just so crazy it can't be true, or is it? Find out what I uh, what I theorize next week uh, right here on this show on Friday. Plus, I told you I had something special to tell you uh, that I wanted you to know about a future episode. If you are on social media and you haven't seen the video by Nora Crest on YouTube of of why you can't be a scient uh, uh, sorry why you can't be gay in Scientology, um, if you have not seen this video and you're on social media, get out from another rock and go watch it. Um, it's a very emotional, very serious thing, and it really speaks a lot to uh, well everything you've already been hearing, and it just uh, kind of just. It, it takes what you already know and all you might think about Scientology, and it punches you in the gut again. It, it, it's just uh, – I, I think she's an amazing lady. Nora Crest will be tonight. This is Friday night as of this recording uh, on 2020 at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Larry Remini talking about this. Uh, there's the video uh, of why you can't be gay in Scientology. Totally recommend watching that. It's a – if it were, if your eyes weren't open before, this will be eye-opening for you. And I'm actually speaking to Nora tomorrow to record a future show in two weeks. Uh, you'll be able to hear Nora Crest talking right here on Come Get Some about her experience and what she went through. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that, kind of. And I'm also kind of uh, uh, dreading the emotion because <laughs> I know it's there, and, and she's an emotional lady with uh, – uh, seems like a huge heart and a lot of bravery. So uh, uh, kudos to Nora speaking out and, and getting her voice heard. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, for now, um, stay connected, and uh, that about sums it up. See you next week. Take care, everybody. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come on. Yeah.